Okay, today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, the last part. Okay, I've called the sermon, Stand Up and Fight. Okay, let's, let's pray before we start. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and God, we ask that you speak to us from your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that we've been learning from this book of Ephesians. And God, we pray, Holy Spirit, today, would you come in and speak to each one of us, convict our hearts of the truth of your word, and, and we pray that it will change our lives and, and transform us from the inside out. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and reign in this place today. Um, help me, um, anoint me, and open our hearts today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, this is the last of uh, the Ephesians series. I hope you've been learning stuff. And today, uh, we're going to talk about fighting. We're going to talk about battle, okay? Uh, so I've been preparing myself for this sermon uh, by watching all these battle movies. Do, do y'all like to watch battle movies? I, oh, I love it, okay? I love these battle shows. You know, I, I don't like these, like, modern, you know, war movies with, like, guns and tanks and stuff. No, like, give me the real stuff, okay? Like, I like to watch the real fights with swords and, 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 and shields and battle... What? Nobody? Does anybody identify? No, okay. Um, have, what? Have, have you watched? Okay, I just realized that all these battle movies that I watched uh, like came out like some of the years that you, were, you guys were born in. Like, have you watched 300? I just found out that I think Ray T was born the year that 300 was, <laughs> was released. Or like Troy? Troy? I, I think that was, that was quite old. Or like Gladiator? Some are definitely not born yet. Gladiator, you know? Russell Crowe, okay. The, any recent, any recent war movies? Any recent? But yeah, why? Why don't they make these? Like, do you watch? Have you watched these? Who likes battle shows? To uh, what? What do you watch? Like, to all the boys I've loved before. Is that, is that what you watch? Like, <laughs> you know, um, I was I was at uh, Plaza Sing a few days ago, uh, at the you know where where the cinema is, and there was this shop. That sold like swords and battle, like it's a huge shop. It's like battle armor. I, like who buys this stuff? But but I wanted to go there and buy a sword to bring today, you know, to 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 uh, you know look more legit. But then uh, it was it was like five hundred bucks, so I thought uh, okay maybe not. Now before before we look at today's passage, okay, I just want to remind us a little bit of the the context of the entire book of Ephesians. Okay, and I've showed you this. Um, so many times, so I think you should know it by now, okay? So, Ephesians roughly divided into two parts, right? Chapters 1 to 3 is all the great stuff, all the stuff that we have in Christ, right? Power, the privileges, you know, the new identity we have and all that. And then chapter 4 to 6 is how we should then respond to all that, right? How we can live a life worthy of the calling that we have received because of all these privileges and the new identity, power and all that, Okay? Now, today's passage is obviously at the end of the letter, and so it comes under the second part, right? So, it is part of how we should live, right? This whole passage on the armor of God and spiritual warfare and all that, it's part of how we should live, right? So, it's this part, second part. But at the same time, you know, this armor of God passage is, is so kind of significant and, and important that very often people almost see it as a section in itself, okay? And so sometimes 
people divide the book of Ephesians um, this way instead. Okay, so one to three, all the wealth, right? All the great stuff, power, privileges, and all that. Um, four to six, or rather four to six, verse nine is our walk, right? Uh, you know, how we should live our daily lives, right? NIV says live, but the ESV says walk, right? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. If you remember John Han's sermon, it's walk in love, walk in light, walk as wise, right? And then the last part is warfare because we are in a war, okay? And now, I, I must say, though, that although this passage, uh, Ephesians 6, the last part, is, is really important in itself, it's actually not separate from the rest of the letter, okay? It's not like a random bit inserted at the end, okay? And, and in my sermon today, I'll try to show you um, the links and how this passage actually rounds off the whole letter uh, very well, okay? So, are you ready? Do you have your Bibles? Okay, so turn to, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, I'm not going to cover the, the last part, okay, the final greeting. So today we're going to look at uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. Now, I'm going to read out the passage to you, and I, I'm going to provide some background music, okay? I didn't want to stress the band, because they're kind of small today. Uh, so I found some music on YouTube that will provide and help to create the relevant atmosphere, okay? Ray T, are you ready? Okay, hit it, bro. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. Look at your Bibles, okay? Verse 10 onwards. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Okay, I think we're going to turn on music a bit, okay? <laughs> Chill out a bit, okay? Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the word of the spirit, or the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Okay. Are you feeling it? Are you feeling it? Okay. Now, as, as we look at the passage today, okay, the very first thing we need to realize is this. Okay. That the struggle is real. Now, I don't know how aware you are of this, but we are at war. You know, there is a real conflict going on. There is a real struggle. There is a real battle. And it's not here on earth. You know, obviously, this is not about 
like fighting with physical weapons, right? It's not, it's not a physical battle. But we have to recognize that there is a spiritual realm. There are spiritual powers and spiritual forces, and there is a battle going on. You know, with this topic of spiritual warfare, um, I think there are, there are these two extremes that people can fall into, okay? One, one extreme is to be very superstitious, right? Like everything is spiritual warfare, you know? And we over-spiritualize everything. Like you miss your bus, like oh, it's spiritual warfare. The devil doesn't want me to come to church, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. When actually, you know, just, just leave your house 10 minutes earlier, right? Like so some, one extreme is like when we, we spiritualize everything, over-spiritualize. But the other extreme is to be skeptical, right? And everything that happens, we say, ah, don't be silly. There's a, there's a perfectly scientific explanation for everything, you know? Or something happens, you're like, oh, it's just coincidence, you know? Don't attribute everything to, to like God or the devil. And then, and then we deny the spiritual realm and you deny the spiritual aspect of things. So those are the two um, extremes, right? Now, I, I obviously, we try not to fall into either extreme. But what I can tell you from my own experience, and especially um, on hindsight, is I feel that very often when, when God is going to do a significant work in, in, in the ministry or in your life, that there is always some form of spiritual warfare. Okay, I'll just share with you an example from, from my own life. Okay? Um, seven years ago, 2011, okay? 2011 was a significant year for me. Uh, I was pregnant with my first child. And back then, I was still a teacher, uh, and, and, and that year, I was, I was posted to a new school. Um, I had a new position. I was taking up, you know, uh, I was a head of literature, drama, and so, so that was family, work, and then in, in ministry, um, the previous youth pastor just quit here, and so I was taking over as a youth pastor, and so it was generally, I mean, a, a time of transition, you know, doing new things. It was a bit challenging, um, and then October, I gave birth to Gemma, my firstborn. And, and the first month was, was a struggle. You know, ask any new mom, okay? The first month was a struggle. Um, but then at the end of the first month, I, I, I was so sick. You know, I, I just I had, a, I had a terrible fever all the time. And I had all these complications with the breastfeeding and all that. And, and then I was a doctor one day, um, you know, just trying to figure out what's wrong. And I was suddenly told... You have to go for surgery now. It's really bad. Um, so some of you will know this story. You know, it was, it, was, it was really traumatic. I mean, I thought I was just going for a checkup, and suddenly, you know, you have to go for surgery. Um, so, so that was kind of traumatic. You know, they, they pushed... I, I, I maybe some of you will remember the story. You know, they pushed me into the, the, the operating theater and just, like, left me in the middle of the row. I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's very traumatic. But actually, what happened after the surgery was even more traumatic. It was far worse. So basically, I had some uh, infection, and I had to go for quite major surgery. And after my surgery, it was so bad that when they changed my dressing, I had to go under GA because it was just so painful. Like, the doctor was like, there's no way you can thank it, so you just go under GA. Um, and then after surgery, I, I still had to go for, like, several procedures uh, because the surgery was not enough to fix the problem. Um, and every procedure was like, so painful, so traumatic. And, and meanwhile, um, I couldn't feed my baby. Um, I couldn't carry my baby because of the wound. And so, of course, you know, I'm a first-time mom. I felt like such a failure. I'm a loser, you know. And, like, the, the, and, and it was just really dark times, okay? 
Um, so, so Gemma was born October 25th, right? So all this was happening like in, in November, December period. And November, December period, what's going on in Lao Jen? It's camp. It was camp period, right? It's like the, the <laughs> camp is like the major event of our ministry. And so, the, you know, the preparations of camp was going on, like, and some of the, the people, they were still texting me and asking me stuff. And I was just like, I, I, I don't know. You know, I was just trying to respond. But at the same time, I can't respond. I'm a bit of a control freak. So I'm like, I just still want to be involved. But I, okay, I need to let go, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and it's just like generally traumatic times, okay? But you know that camp? That camp, 2011. Some of you know, it was the Love Out Loud camp, okay? L-O-L-O-L camp. Uh, that camp was, was significant, yeah, it's very similar to last year's camp. We had many, many newcomers, and, and they not just attended, but many people received Christ. You know, they, they, it, it was just like, I don't know what's going on. Like, all these new people, and they received Christ. And, and, you know, I know camp is always good, right? But, you know, some camps are, like, gooder, you know? And, and, and you know, there's some camps where you just kind of sit back. You're like, whoa, God, what, wow, God, like, wow, what are you doing? And... And, you know, that all these struggles have just happened to coincide with the time that I was taking over Lao Jen and coincide with the time that we had a really impactful camp. Was it a coincidence? I, I don't know. But I think there could be some spiritual warfare involved because I believe that the devil is threatened when God moves. And so he sometimes tries to take God's people down. And by the way, this week, well, when I was preparing for today's sermon, uh, I, I felt so sick at the beginning of the week. Like, I don't usually fall sick, okay? Like, in my family, when everybody falls sick, like, I'm the strong one. But, like, like this week, I felt so sick. Like, Monday morning, I woke up at 4 a.m. and I had to throw up. And then I kept throwing up uh, that morning and the whole day. Like, one whole day, I couldn't move. I, I couldn't, couldn't eat for 24 hours. Like, like that's a sign, right? Uh, I didn't even want to drink coffee, you know, this week. Like, that's the sign, and I was really sick, right? Uh, my whole body was aching and all that. This morning, I was still having a migraine and all that. Um, is it coincidence? Is it spiritual warfare? I don't know. But I sure hope that the devil is threatened by the sermon today. Because I have been praying that this will impact you and change you significantly. And I really pray that you will see that there is a war going on in the spiritual realm. There is a spiritual realm. And we are all involved. You know, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are involved. And we are soldiers in the battle. You know, we are, we are we're warriors, we're fighters, and we're involved in this battle. And you know, sometimes I, I, I see people say things like, uh, I am a moderate Christian. And like, it, I, I think what they're trying to say is, is, you know, yes, I believe in God and I believe in Christianity and all that, but, you know, come on, let's not take it to the extreme, okay? You know, let's, let's just, like, chill out a little bit. And, and when I see these things, I'm like, have you ever heard a warrior say, I'm a moderate soldier? You know, like, yeah, I believe in the cause, but, like, I'm not really sure if I want to take up my arms. And You're a moderate soldier. You die in battle. You die. You either stand up and fight or you die. Moderate, half-hearted soldiers, they die. You know, if you've watched the movie 300, you know, it's, it's all about the, the Spartans, right? 
And the big tagline of the Spartans is, Spartans never retreat. Spartans never give up. They never surrender. And that is what makes them strong and, and brave warriors. And you know, I believe that it is the same as a Christian. Right? When we become a follower of Jesus Christ, we say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You know, Jesus, you know, Jesus said, right, uh, if you want to follow me, you have to hate your father, mother, wife, children, brother, sister, and even yourself. And by that, he didn't mean that you go and punch your family or whatever. You know, he meant that you have to love me so much more, so far above everything else, and follow me to that extreme. You can't be a moderate disciple. You can't be a half-hearted disciple. You have to take up your cross, die to yourself to follow Jesus. No turning back. There's no such thing as a moderate Christian. The battle is real and you are in it. You don't fight, you die. That's it. And if you think that after becoming a Christian, you know, your life will be like happy, clappy, and rainbows and sunshine, and prosperity and pleasure, and, and you know, you just like prance your way through life, la la la, prance your way to, oh, whoa, you're in for a root shock. That's what you expect of Christianity. I mean, life with God is, is great, right? We've covered all that Ephesians 1 to 3. It's great. All these power, privileges. But it doesn't mean that there's no struggle. It doesn't mean that there's no struggle. Now, why do we still struggle? Remember Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 3? There are three sources of sin. Number one, the world we live in is fallen. Okay, Ephesians 6, 12 says, Our struggle is against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world. Number two, we have to deal with our own sinful nature right? Our flesh, sinful cravings and desires. And number three, who is this ruler of the kingdom of the air? It's the devil, right? It's the devil. Ephesians 6, 11 says, we have to put on our armor and take our stand against the devil's schemes. And in case you were in any doubt, the devil is real. He's a real and formidable enemy. And the Bible is very clear about the existence of the devil. He's not just some like, oh, evil force. There is a devil. And there are many references to him in the Bible. And probably the most significant um, instances would be when he appears as the Satan in the Garden of Eden, right? And then in the Gospels, when he tempts Jesus. And of course, right at the end, when he's defeated in Revelation, defeated completely, destroyed forever. The devil is real, okay? Jesus called him a liar. He is a liar and the father of lies. He is the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He is a tempter, and he is the accuser of our brothers. Now, can I just say at this point, you know, I think that there are, these are the two most common ways that Satan attacks us, temptation and accusations. Okay, he's a tempter and an accuser. Now, when he tempts you, when he tempts you to sin, he downplays God's holiness. He makes you only think of God's love. Like, oh, it doesn't really matter if you sin or if you watch a little bit of porn. I mean, everyone sins, right? You know, you've been so stressed. You need some relief sometimes. Just one look won't kill you. Or like, he'll say things like, yeah, there's sin in your life. But you know, it's not the end of the world if you don't deal with it. Because God is love. God loves you no matter what. You know, how can a loving God not accept that? 
You haven't read your Bible in a few weeks. No worries. God still loves you. Nothing will change His love. Just go and play some games first. It's fine. That's how he tempted Eve. You know, it's just like he's tempted Eve. Remember, he said, are you sure God said that? Maybe he actually meant something else. You know, like, why would a loving God not want you to have every fruit in the garden? He said things like, surely you will not die. It's not that bad, you know. God is love, right? And then he said things like, if you eat the fruit, actually you will be like God. And you will know good and evil. So don't worry, you totally know what you're doing. And you're strong enough. He's a tempter. The devil is a tempter. And when he tempts you, he downplays God's holiness. But he's also an accuser. And when he accuses you, he downplays God's love. And he makes you only think of God's holiness, his righteous anger, and his righteous wrath. Right? He was saying like, wow, you like that also can be worship leader. Right? You Gigi la, you hypocrite la, you know, you really jala la, you failed God so many times already. Like you will never overcome your sin. You will never be good enough. You will never reach God's standards. Like no one will love you if they know all the truth in your life, you know. That's the kind of things he says. Your life will be meaningless, you know, your life, you're, you're a loser la. you're not smart enough. You're too fat la. you cannot make it, you know. Why wow, you're a pastor, you're still so ridiculously impatient with people. Right? Accusations after accusations. Accuses us day and night. He accuses us day and night. Let me tell you, the devil is a stinking liar. He's a liar. And you need to know that. And you need to realize that and take it seriously. You know, the devil is not like some cute red cartoon thing like with horns and pitchfork or whatever. Just like smack him away like that. He's not. He's a formidable adversary. And he constantly tells us half-truths. Half-truths, right? He's a liar. Either he downplays God's love or he downplays God's holiness. And that's why I always try to remind us time and time again about the message of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is this. There are two parts. First part, we completely suck. Yes, we are complete losers. We completely suck. But there's a second part. That God's love completely covers us and completely saves us. And you need to know both parts. You can't have one part and be without the other. See, when the, when the devil downplays God's holiness, we need to realize we are all wretched sinners. We have absolutely no way of saving ourselves and we will never, ever meet the standards of God. We will never measure up. But when the, the devil downplays God's love, we need to remember that absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, that we have been saved by grace through faith, and that is enough, that we have crossed over from death to life forevermore. And I'm sorry about a little sidetrack, you know, but it's important in battle to know your enemy. You must know your enemy. You don't underestimate your enemy, right? You watch enough movies, you will know. That's always the fatal flaw. They underestimate the enemy. In 1 Peter 5, it says, the devil is your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We've got to know the enemy's strategies, right? So Ephesians 6, 11 talks about devil's schemes. He is cunning, he schemes. He's a schemer, he's a liar, he's a tempter. He's an accuser. You need to be aware of that. But we also have to know who our enemy is not, 
right? Ephesians 6.12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We always have to remember the enemy is not human, okay? We have to remember this. Yes, humans can, can be evil. You know, they can attack us or persecute us or, or irritate us. But ultimately, our battle is never against people, okay? You know, maybe, maybe like you want to do something for God and your parents say no and then you get into an argument and then you're like, oh, it's spiritual warfare. Maybe, but your parents are not the real enemy, right? You know, lately there's been, there's been all this talk about 377A and, and, and the larger issue is really about society accepting and, and normalizing homosexuality, which, which the Bible clearly says is a sin, right? And so the church is trying to take a stand and there's all this tension, like, biblical values and worldview versus, you know, what, what the rest of the world believes and, and, and all that. And, and yes, it is spiritual warfare. But listen very carefully, okay? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And in all this, we need to remember that the enemy is not the homosexual people. It is not the, the, the people who want to repeal 377. It is not the activists. You know, it's not any of the people. Our fight is not against people. Our struggle is against a liar and an accuser who seeks to distort God's original design for marriage, sexuality, and identity. And the only so-called person we should hate and be aggressive towards is Satan. We must know who the real enemy is. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we have to realize there is a spiritual realm. There are spiritual forces of evil. And we cannot underestimate our enemy or the enemies, right? The, the rulers, authorities, powers. They're powerful, right? They're rulers, they're authorities, they're powers. They are powerful evil forces. They are powers of darkness. I, I don't know if you've ever kind of looked at the world around you and and think like, wow, this is a really screwed up place. You know, like every so often we, we, we read about some horrifying case in the news, you know, like some, some really terrible act of war or terrorism or, or whatever that, that makes you wonder like, how can anybody be involved in such things, right? Or, or, or maybe we read like worse and worse examples of like sexual depravity or, or immorality and all that. And, and, and I find that in every generation, immorality seems to get worse and worse, right? If you, if you just look around, like most, almost every movie or TV show nowadays, um, it portrays it as, as perfectly normal to have sex at a very young age, right? To have sex before marriage, outside of marriage, without marriage. Um, it's perfectly normal nowadays watching shows. We, we see gay couples, um, and, and you, know, you, know, you know, we used to say about people struggling with homosexuality that, you know, they're, they're confused about their identity or gender or whatever. But actually, you know, if you look at certain countries now, it's like, it's like a whole new level of gender confusion, right? And, and you know, I'm, I'm really not saying this to be offensive or anything. Now, of course, they don't call it confusion. They call it gender fluidity, right? Because the devil is a liar. And, and you know, I've read cases of how, like, you can be born as as a boy, as male, with like male organs, but they say, oh, you're not necessarily a boy. Like maybe he identifies as female or he could be um, born with a male body, but he identifies as female, but he identifies as a female lesbian. 
So actually, he's still, like, you know, it's, it's, whoa, like, so confusing. And all this could change tomorrow because gender fluidity, you know, tomorrow, or I no longer identify as a female that was in the past, you know. And deviation from God's original plan is increasingly seen as normal and, in fact, nowadays celebrated as a great thing. I mean, I've even read things like some people are now saying that pedophilia, right, sex with young people, sex with kids, if you're sexually attracted to kids, pedophilia is just a medical condition. You know, we're, we're born that way. We, we can't help it, right? We have no choice. So you should just accept us and embrace us. Now, I'm not here to put anyone down or anyone's struggles down, but I want to say that the battle is not against flesh and blood. And what I'm trying to say here is that the world is going to get more sinful, twisted, evil, depraved, because there are spiritual forces of evil and satanic powers in the world. Human solutions will not work. Flesh and blood cannot battle against all this. Our struggle is against spiritual forces and powers. There is no human solution. And yet, yet, right? We said, don't underestimate the enemy, but there is no need to overestimate the enemy either. They are they're powerful, yes, but there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Right? There is power. Yes, the enemy is formidable, but we have the power of Christ in us. And that is what all of Ephesians 1 to 3 is about. And so we have to recognize that the power is yours. Does anybody recognize this line? Ah, Captain Planet. I know you're too young. Okay, except for Jesselyn. Okay, Captain Planet. Okay, the power is yours. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, 11, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay, yes, we battle against rulers, authorities, powers of darkness. But, Ephesians 1.21, Jesus Christ is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, as well as anyone to come. Jesus Christ above, above all. Yes, there are all these powers of darkness, but above, far above. Okay? Now, this idea of power, okay, throughout, Paul is reminding about it, Ephesians 1. Paul prays that the believers will know God's incomparably great power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, right? That same power has raised us from the dead. Remember, Ephesians 2, we were dead in our sin, but God made us alive in Christ, resurrected us, raised us up with Christ. The same power that conquered the grave lives in you, you got to believe the stuff that you sing, you know? Ephesians 3 again, Paul prays that God will strengthen the believers with power through His Spirit. That they will have power to know the love of God. And then he says, 320, the famous verse, Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. Yes, there are formidable forces but the power of God will help you fight the spiritual battle. The struggle is real, but the power of God is yours. 
God has given you power. His power is at work within you. On our own, we have no hope against such a powerful enemy. But in Christ, the power of God is infinitely stronger than anything the devil can throw at us. So, what do we do? Verse 10, we be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And verse 11, we put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Okay? Take your stand. Take your stand. Verse 13 says, goes on to say, stand your ground. Verse 14 says, stand firm. You know, if you watch those uh, battle movies, right? There's always a scene, right, when uh, the army is just standing there just before the fight, right, just before the battle. And then on the other side, the, the enemy has started charging towards them already, right? And then they just stand there, almost like they're bracing themselves for the fight. And then the, the leader or the commander, that's the time where he gives that inspiring pep talk in that low voice, like, tonight we fight for freedom or like for Okay, new power, okay. Right, and, and that's how it's like, you know. The Bible says, take your stand, stand your ground, stand firm, stand, and prepare to fight, stand. You know, at the start of the sermon, I told you how uh, Ephesians can be divided into wealth, walk, and warfare, right? Now, another way um, preachers like to divide it is, uh, divide Ephesians is sit, walk, and stand, Okay, one, two, three, like all the great stuff we have in Christ, right? We are seated with Him in the heavenly realm, sit, right? And then the middle part, you know, how we walk, walk in a manner worthy of, of God, right? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And then finally here, we stand. Sit, walk, and then we stand, we stand, and we fight. We stand and we put on the full armor of God. Now, obviously, it's not physical armor, right? It's not a physical fight. It's a spiritual battle. And so we have to fight with spiritual weapons and spiritual armor. Okay, so let's look at this spiritual armor. What is this armor that we need to put on? This is it, okay? The armor of truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. These are the things that are your armor. And you know, these concepts, right? These concepts of truth and, and, and righteousness and peace and all that, they are actually things that Paul has been talking about throughout the rest of the letter to the Ephesians. Okay, so we're going to just briefly go through each one and, and I'm going to show you some of the links that uh, Paul has, has been saying already in the previous chapters. Okay, first one, the belt of truth. Now remember we said Satan is a liar, father of lies, right? So we fight him with truth. We put on the belt of truth to take our stand against the devil's schemes and the devil's lies. And remember in chapter 4, it says we speak the truth in love and we speak truthfully without falsehood to our neighbor. But you know, truth is not, it's not just about like being honest in the way, in the things we say. It's not just about like not telling lies. It's also about believing the truth of God's word and living according to the truth of God's Word. Okay, if you flip back to chapter 4, right, Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4. He says, 4.18, unlike believers who are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Remember this part? He says that instead of that, we believers are, verse 21, taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Right? 
So God's truth, the truth of His Word, provides the defense against false teaching, against false accusations from the, de- from the devil that can lure us away from our belief. And when we know the truth of God, chapter 5, verse 6, we will not be deceived by empty words. Okay? Chapter 4, we will not be blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men with their deceitful scheming. Right? It sounds like Satan's schemes, right? Cunning craftiness of men, deceitful scheming. We fight that the truth of God. That is why Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You need to know the truth so that you will not be bound and attacked by Satan's lies. You put on the belt of truth. You put the truth of God's word in your heart so that you will know how to respond to attacks by the devil. Let me give you an example, okay? Let's say the devil accuses you, right? And says, you know what? You'll never be good enough. You're so screwed up, you know. You don't deserve love, right? You fight back with the truth. You say, I am saved by grace through faith, not by anything that I do. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Right? You fight back with Romans chapter 8. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, neither present, nor future, or any powers, height, nor death, anything else in creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ha! Take that, devil. Or Romans 8, right? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The devil attacks you with lies. You fight back with truth. That is why you need to put on the belt of truth. Okay? Next piece of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, Ephesians 4 to 6, right? We said it's about living a life worthy of the calling we have received. It is about living righteously. If you look at 5 verse 9, chapter 5 verse 9, it talks about living as children of light, bearing fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Right? And Ephesians 4, it says, put on the new self. Right? It says, Put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so when we put on the new self, we are putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, you know, the devil would like to tell you that you are not worthy to fight, right? He would be like, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You're not even righteous at all, right? Well, you just remind him, this righteousness is not our own righteousness, it's not like, oh, we strive to do a lot of good things and we're righteous, right? No, the Bible says that our righteousness are like filthy rags. But the righteousness that we're talking about here is the righteousness of Christ that has been credited to us, right? Sometimes the word it uses is imputed to us, right? The righteousness of Christ credited to us. So yes, we are unworthy sinners indeed. Our righteousness are like filthy rags. But we are no longer sinners condemned to die. We are sinners saved by grace. FYI, devil. Breastplate of righteousness on. That, that's what it means. Okay? Third piece. The shoes. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, the gospel is a gospel of peace. And I'm not talking about peace like the kind of thing that Miss Universe contestants wish for. World peace, Right? It's not just like an absence of conflict or like a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart, but peace in a sense of reconciliation. And this is what my entire first sermon on Ephesians was about. Remember chapter 2? No more dividing wall of hostility. Jews and Gentiles are reconciled because Christ made peace. 
creating in himself one new humanity out of two. Which is why in chapter 4, Paul reminds us to be one body, right? That we should make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And beyond reconciling men to men, in Christ, all humanity is reconciled to God through the cross. Jesus reconciled us to the Father, and now we have access to the Father through Christ, and that is the ultimate reconciliation and the ultimate peace. That is why it's called the gospel of peace, right? And, and I've heard that um, these are shoes, right? These are the shoes. I've heard that Roman sandals actually have uh, like spikes or something to help the soldiers stand their ground. And when we know that we have peace with God, that we are reconciled with Him, that gives us a firm foothold to defend ourselves and to stand firm in the faith, to stand our ground. Now, next piece of armor, the shield of faith. The shield is my favorite piece of armor. I don't know how to explain it. Okay, maybe because like it's a defense weapon, but you can also use it. You know, have you seen those movies? They use it to chong. They like, they, it's not even supposed to be. Okay, never mind. Okay, the shield is <laughs> my favorite piece of armor. You know, if you've watched 300, right, there is this great scene where the army is just standing there. And then from afar, this massive barrage of arrows are like, like flying at them. Like it's crazy. It's like, like birds coming there, flying at them. Okay, and then they're just like, oh, Spartans, shield up. And they just all like, lift up their shields, okay, and then they just hide behind their shields, like very cool, you know, like, la, 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 and then arrow's like, dun, 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 right, and they're just like, the shield covers the whole person, and they just stand there, no sweat, bro, they just stand there holding their shields, like, like that, and then after this, they all come out, and they're like, ha, 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 you know, they're like trash talking, that kind of thing. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, throughout Ephesians, Paul has been writing about faith. He says we are saved by grace through faith, right? He says, chapter 3, verse 12, it is through faith that we can approach God with freedom and confidence. 3, verse 17, through faith, Christ dwells in our hearts, right? It is our faith that gives us the assurance of God's power and Christ's victory in the spiritual battle. And it is our faith that unites us as believers. Remember, we share one faith. We're one in the faith. And so when the devil throws flaming arrows at you, right, when he throws like doubts or fears, worries, hardship, you know, struggles, conflict, insults, persecution, lies, whatever, whatever he throws at you, you just take up your shield of faith. You take up your shield of faith and you hold on to your faith. You stand firm in the faith. No matter what the devil throws at you, we just say, no, I believe. I trust. I have faith in my God. And that's how you extinguish the devil's arrows. The shield of faith. Next, the helmet of salvation. Salvation. As Christians, we are saved we are saved by grace through faith, right? Our identity as believers, as Christians, as those redeemed by our Savior means that we have salvation as our protection, right? Ephesians 1.13 says, when we believe, we receive salvation. We receive the helmet of salvation, the gospel of salvation, and we are included in Christ. 
And therefore, we have access to Christ's power and His protection. Helmet of salvation. And, and we, also, you know, we also have the hope of salvation, right? The confident expectation of what will happen when Christ comes again in the final victory. And finally, we have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I, I had to add in at least one girl pick, okay? I, I, this is a movie you all will know, right? Yeah. Yes? Wonder Woman? Yeah, okay. You know, you know the, sword, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, right? You know when the devil attacked Jesus in the desert? This was the weapon that he used, right? Jesus just used the Word of God. Everything that the devil said, every temptation, Jesus just replied, it is written, and just quoted scripture to the devil. That is how he fought back. See, the Word of God has power. The Word of God is living and active. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The Word of God is powerful. And so we use the Word of God to silence the devil. We use the sword of the Spirit. So that's the armor, okay? Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit. Now, you will notice that the armor is mostly defensive, right? Because the enemy will always look for your weak spot, right? The spot that is uncovered. So you need to defend yourself. But you know, I think another reason why um, the, the pieces of armor are largely defensive rather than offensive is the same reason why we are told to stand firm, stand our ground, rather than to like move forward, charge, and attack. You, know? you see, Christ has already won the victory. And yet, at the same time, the fight is not over. Okay, I know it's kind of like a bit strange, but Christ has already won the victory, yet we still have to fight. The struggle is still going on. The battle and the fight is real, but we also know who wins at the end. We already know. So we may get, we may get kind of injured, we may get hit, but there is no doubt who wins the final victory. Which is why the main thing we have to do is hold the position which has already been won for us, we stand firm and we stand our ground. Are you following so far? Okay. The battle is real, but the power of God is yours. So what we have to do is put on the armor of God. Now, as we look at the last three verses, okay, verse 18 to 20, I want to point out three more things that I believe are important in the fight. Okay. As I was, I was thinking about this passage, you know, I, I think there are three more things that are important in the fight, things that we need in the battle. Okay, three Ps, okay? Now, the first P is prayer. You know, prayer here is, is not likened to a specific piece of armor, right? But, you know, I believe that prayer is integral and essential in the spiritual battle. You absolutely cannot do without prayer. You know, earlier in the letter, we already talked about this, right? Paul prays for the Ephesians, right? Chapter 1, he prays, spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God better. He prays that the believers will know the hope and the power they have in Christ. Right? Chapter 3, he prays that the believers will be strengthened and, and you know, with power, they will know God's love. And here, he tells the believer, now you also pray. He says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And what he's saying is pray all day, every day, and bring everything anything, everyone before God. Keep praying. 
You know, prayer is one of those things, right, that we all know that we should do more of, right? And, and, and I definitely still need to improve on my prayer life. But I have learned over the years um, to really try and pray at all times. You know, when I was a teacher, I, I, I really tried to remember to, to pray every time I was walking to, to the class. And I'd be like, oh, God, this topic is really quite boring. Huh? <laughs> Please help me to engage them, you know. <laughs> Please help them to, like, just listen anyway, <laughs> you know. I, I've heard of, like, doctors maybe who, who pray, like, before they do any of their surgeries. Um, you know, if, 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 if I have to have a difficult conversation with someone, you know, and, and I'm just like, oh, God, I have no idea what to say or, like, I'm surely going to say something wrong, you know, I'll, I'll pray before that, right? Every time I have to preach, every time I have to, like, lead with worship or whatever, prayer, devotion, whatever, I pray before that because I know if I don't pray, then I might as well not do it, right? It will surely be a failure if you try and do spiritual work without spiritual power. And so you, we, we have to pray. Pray at all times, all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray constantly. You know, pray before you go to school. Pray when you're on the bus, you know, pray, pray before you do your presentation or whatever, before you take your exams, you know. When you do your project, your group mate's annoying you, pray. Pray constantly. The Christian who stops praying is a weak Christian. It's a weak soldier. Because you don't connect to your source of power, you will be weak. And the church or the ministry that doesn't pray is weak. That is why you should come for, meeting, for prayer meeting every Saturday at 2.30 p.m. It's not just some activity to fill the time. It's not just like some pre-service, like warm-up, you know. It's a vital part of our service. It's how we wage war in the spiritual realm. It is our source of power for everything that we do. And, and by the way, you notice uh, Paul talks about prayer, right? He also talks about like the belt of truth, you know, the, the word of God, sort of the spirit. You know, prayer and the word are spiritual disciplines and they are part of your armor. They help you fight the spiritual battles. You know, they're not just like duty or like, like obligations that you have to do. They are part of your armor. And, and maybe some of you here, you know, you feel like you're not really under any big spiritual attack or you're not really involved in any spiritual struggle or battle right now. Well, good for you. But you know what's, what soldiers and warriors do when they're not fighting? They train, Right? They keep up the disciplines and they train. You know, is Singapore at war now? No. But does every Singapore's son still have to spend two years of his life in the army in a life of discipline? Yes! <laughs> we train, even in times of peace. So don't stop praying. Don't stop reading your Bible. Even when things seem to be going well, keep to the disciplines. They're part of your armor. Right, verse 18 says, with this in mind, be alert, alert, and always keep on praying. You know, you watch those battle movies, right? The best fighters, the best warriors are those who are constantly alert, right? They never, ever let their guard down, like even when they're supposed to be resting. Have you seen those scenes like, they, like you think that the person is sleeping and then, you know, you tap in and he's like, he almost kills the person, right? You know what I'm talking about? They're always alert. And in a battle, in a war, the soldier who falls asleep while on duty is the worst. Right, army boys? An entire battle can be lost if the sentry, the, the person on guard duty, falls asleep. You can lose an entire battle 
if the guard duty person is not alert. And he says, keep, keep on praying and be alert. And Paul says, the way to keep alert is to pray. That's how we keep alert. It's kind of ironic, right? You, you stay alert by closing your eyes to pray, <laughs> right? You know, if it, because it's actually when you close your eyes that you really begin to see. Hey, sometimes I'm you know, like some Christian girl Instagram caption, yeah? But okay, but seriously, prayer is a super effective weapon, okay? And, you know, a few years ago, I, I, I really, you know, I think God really showed me the power of prayer. And I began to learn and experience the power of prayer, especially in ministry. And I tell you, it changed my life. It changed my life. Uh, I, I want to share something uh, with you here. Iggy and Isaac, you're here today, right? No, Iggy's left. Okay. Uh, I hope this doesn't embarrass them because it's really not meant to. This is Thanksgiving, really, okay? But, you know, Iggy, Isaac, people like them, even David, right? I, I started praying for you guys way before I even met you all. The moment your name appeared on last year's camp list, I started praying for you, okay? Like, oh, God, would you work in Iggy's life? Okay, of course, you know, at the time, I don't call him Iggy, right? Would you work in Ignatius Pang's life, right? Like, show him how much you love him, God. Show Isaac that you are his good father, that you have a great plan for his life. You know, like, work in their lives, God. Like, work in David's life. Work in Murphy's life. They're a precious son, right? Like, because just, we're just praying for the names, the names. And last year, in the lead up to camp, like many of us, we were praying for every name on that registration list, right? The leaders, you know, the camp, many of us, we prayed, we fasted for camp, we asked God to do a great work in people's lives, in our ministry, and He did. Prayer is powerful, and we have to do the same this year. We're going to do the same, and I hope all of you will join in, because prayer is a powerful weapon. It's first P, prayer, very important in the battle. Now, second P, people. Paul says, verse 18, he says, always keep on praying for all the saints, right? Pray for each other, for all the saints, all the brothers and sisters in Christ. Help each other by praying for each other. And then almost as if to help them immediately apply that, he asks for prayer. He says, pray for me. Pray also for me. You see, the spiritual battle is fought and won together by the people of God, right? In all the battle movies, the army that's united and that works together is the army that's powerful. And we're all in this together. You're not fighting alone. We are fellow soldiers. We're fellow warriors in Christ, and we're fighting together. You know, I love these, like, shield formations in the battle movies. Wow, I love it. I watch the scene, like, wow, so psyched up. Like, together, their shields cover all of them. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then they advance as one. And, they, and then the arrows are coming, but it doesn't matter because they're like all covered. And, and in a movie 300, I believe they call it a, a phalanx, something like that. Okay, and you know, there's, there's this scene, right, where the king, the Leonidas, the leader, right, he, he tells the hunchback, okay, he says, the way that they fight is that each Spartan protects the man to his left. And he says this, I love it, we fight as a single, impenetrable unit. That is the source of our strength, that we fight as one. And that's how we should be, Lao Jen, as the church, that we're all in this together. I'm going to share with you something else about last year's camp, okay? You know, in the weeks leading up to camp, 
uh, it was a little bit stressful for me because my parents were overseas, uh, which meant I had no babysitters. So I, I had to stay home and look after the kids, and you know, I, I couldn't go to work. And, and there was all this camp stuff that I had to do. I was trying to do it with the kids in my hair and all that. Um, okay, but, but it, was, it was still okay because I knew that there was one last week uh, just before camp to sort out and settle everything, okay? And you know, last year, I mean, most of you will know, right? Last year, we had so many newcomers sign up for the camp. We are all like, yeah, I really got to pray, you know. There's no way we're going to do this without God. And we're just like our biggest camp uh, ever. Um, and so, so leading up to the last week before camp, I told the camp, hey, you know what? I'm going to call for a prayer meeting every day, okay? Whoever can come, just come. Even if no one comes, I'll just pray on my own in, in the prayer room. But we really need to pray, right? And the camp comes like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And then one week before the camp, um, I, brought my my, I brought my daughter to the hospital, my baby. And the doctor said, oh, she has pneumonia. You have to ward her now. And because and, my baby was not even, she was just a baby, right? She was not even one year old. So I had to, I had to stay with her as well. I stayed with her that, that week just before camp. And, and so, so I was stressed about my daughter. You know, she's a baby. She's really sick. Uh, and, and I was stressed about camp. Oh, there were so many things that... Still needed to settle. I thought that one week, you know, I could settle everything. And then that same day, okay, the t-shirt vendor was like giving me trouble, like suddenly bailed on us, you know. Um, so is it spiritual warfare or is it like Justine just happened to fall sick? I don't know. But I do believe that when we sit, we're going to ramp up the prayer and have a prayer meeting every day. I believe the devil got worried, okay. And so, so but no choice, right? So I, I texted the camcom. I said, um... Sorry, guys, I think I, I can't do the, the prayer meetings this week anymore. Then, Ray Chen, camp commander, and he said, It's okay, pastor. I can lead because we still need to pray. And, you know, after that, right, he was just like, Actually, I, I have no idea what I was going to do, you know. I don't even know how I was going to but I just, I just knew we need to pray, okay. And, you know, I'm really not trying to over-spiritualize things, okay. But in that moment, in that moment, I really felt that, that the devil had thrown something at me. You know, like, like maybe he, he hurt, he, he injured my shoulder or something. Like he hurt me, you know. My baby was seriously sick. I, I was stressed. I was down. And, and I just felt, when Rachel said that, right, I felt that the phalanx just sucked me to the back, said, okay, pastor, you go to the back and rest. And then Rachel jumped in front of me with his shield and said, it's okay, pastor, I thank you. And I was like, Yes, that is how the phalanx works. That is how we work together because we're all in this together. Amen. And Lao Jen, will we all be in this together as we gear up for camp this year? That is our source of strength when we fight as a single impenetrable unit. One person goes down, no problem. Rachel comes forward. Prayer, people, fight together. Last P, proclaim. This is what Paul asked for prayer for. Okay, I'm going to read the verse from the ESV. He asked that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And that's what this year's camp theme is all about. You know, I believe the greatest thing that we can do to fight in the spiritual battle is to proclaim the gospel. Okay, the NIV version says, fearlessly proclaim. 
I, I, I want to call it Ken Fearless, but you know, it's, it's a Taylor Swift song, so, so no. You know, the past few weeks, right, there's all this talk about the 377A issue, and, and, and you know, there's, there's a lot that can be discussed, okay? I know it's not a simplistic issue. If you want to discuss it, we can talk more. But what it's reminded me is that society's views on, on marriage and sex and morality are going to keep veering further and further away from God's plan and God's standards, right? We talked about this, right, in the Waiting, Dating, Mating series. And, and you know, we can say, yes, we want to keep 377A and all that. But at the end of the day, right, righteousness and revival in our country is not going to happen just because we keep a law. Homosexual relationships are already considered normal and celebrated in our society today. Isn't that so? You just think among your friends. Whatever is wrong with the world, with humanity, will not be fixed by a law or by human solutions, not by flesh and blood solutions. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so the only solution is Jesus. He is always the answer to everything that is wrong. People need Jesus. The world needs Jesus. The only hope for humanity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is why we need to boldly and fearlessly proclaim the gospel. Beyond all these, like, you know, activism or whatever, all these things that we want to do, at the end of the day, we need to boldly and fearlessly proclaim the gospel. And that is the big way that we can fight the spiritual battle. To pray constantly and fervently, work together with people, proclaim the gospel fearlessly and boldly. Let me get the musicians up. Now, with that, we, we end our series on Ephesians. And today I want to end by really issuing us a challenge, okay? You know, we're we in October now, okay? It's the last quarter of the year, and it's usually the busiest in, in Lao Gen because we have all this stuff um, going on because like, school is closing, people are free and available and all that. And of course, we have camp, which is the biggest event for our ministry. And I want to encourage you not to just get caught up in all the activity, but to always remember that there is a spiritual realm. There is a spiritual dimension and aspect to all that we do. It's not just about playing games and hanging out together and making friends. The things that we do as a ministry is spiritual work. And there is a spiritual battle going on. And you know, it's, it's not about physical fighting or like, you know, taking sides in a battle or whatever. Let's be very clear and we see it the right way. We only have one enemy. That is the devil. We must stand our ground, stand firm in the faith, put on the full armor of truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. And the question I want us to all ask ourselves today is this. Will you take your stand against the devil's schemes? The father of lies comes to kill, steal, and destroy lives. And he will try to attack your life, which is why you must put on the full armor of God and be alert and stand firm in the faith. But he also seeks to destroy all lives. Think of all your friends and family who don't yet know Jesus. Now, the way I see it, it is a battle in the spiritual realm for their souls. That is why we do camps and 
outreaches and loud fart and all these things. It's a battle for souls and loud gen. Will you stand up and fight? Will you keep on praying? Will you pray constantly and wholeheartedly and fervently for each other, for, for our ministry, you know, for brothers and sisters in Christ, but also for those who don't yet know Jesus? Will you boldly and fearlessly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because He is the only hope for humanity. And will we come together as one people, one body, one loud gen? Will we come together and fight this spiritual battle? Fight alongside each other. Fight as a single impenetrable unit in the power of Christ. Because we're all in this together. Right? Together we pray, together we proclaim the gospel, and then together we will see God do a great work in our ministry, in our lives, in the lives of the people around us. You know, I've, I've asked Joel to sing a, a battle song, a victory song, fight song. And I want us to remember that we, we fight from a position of victory. Right? The enemy has been defeated, but we still have to fight. We still have to fight. So let me get everyone to, to stand up. And before we sing our victory song, we're going to do some, some warring, okay? We're going to pray. And I want us now, all across this room now, to start praying, okay? Pray for yourself. Pray for each other in loud gen. Pray that we will put on the full armor. That we will not be half-hearted soldiers. That we will boldly and fearlessly proclaim the gospel of Christ. Pray that we will be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And I want us to pray also for our friends and our family who don't yet know Jesus. It is a battle for their souls. It is a battle in the spiritual realm. We can pray. And just as we saw God work in the lives of people last year, we're going to believe that He can work in the lives of so many more people, our friends, our family. Let's pray. And let's pray that as loud gen, we will stand as one, and we will fight as one in the spiritual battle. The enemy will love to see us divided but we must stand as a single, impenetrable unit. That is the source of our strength, and we are united in Christ. One body, one faith. Let's pray. Yeah.
given not only in the present age but also in the one to come jesus you are more powerful than anything the enemy can throw at us and we thank you that in christ we have this power we thank you that in christ we have been saved by grace through faith we thank you for all the power and the privileges that we have in christ and so god we pray that right now as a ministry we come before you and we ask god would you make us strong would you make us strong in the lord and in your mighty power. God, would you help us to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes, that we can stand our ground and stand firm. God, would you help us to put on truth and righteousness, gospel of peace, and a shield of faith, salvation, the word of God, and be strong in the Lord. God, we pray to Father, as we, as we go into the season of, of camp, of, of outreach, of, of all these things that we're trying to do where, where we want to reach our friends. God, we pray that you will make us united, that we will be one body with one faith and one spirit. And God, we pray that you give us boldness, that God, we will fearlessly and boldly proclaim the gospel of Christ and make known the mystery of the gospel. So Father, we come before you. 
we look to you. We thank you that in you, we have the power of Christ. That even though there is a battle going on, God, we can stand firm in you and in your mighty power. So Father, be with us, unite us, and make us strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, with that, we wrap up our, our series on Ephesians. Now, we have a little bit of time left. Um, I'm sorry, CGLs, that I did not inform you. But can we now gather in our groups? And let's begin praying for the people we want to invite, for camp, for outreach, you know, whatever, our family, people we want to reach out to for Jesus. Okay, let's just gather in our CGs, spend a little bit of time praying, and then we can go off.